Good evening and welcome to another episode of That Which Does Not Kill Us. I'm your host, Sarah Arnold. Um, yeah, I've been kind of busy with work lately in life, but um, something re- recently came up. Um, I was given some recommended reading um, by someone that I'm involved with, and I decided to take the deep dive today because I have a fucking three-day weekend because... Yeah, it's a holiday. And so today, I have been listening to, rather than reading, uh, Polly Secure, which is a very interesting piece that's seemingly intended for guidance uh, for people involved in consensual, non-monogamous relationships in whatever form that could entail. Um, the thing that I found most fascinating about it initially is that it is based on attachment theory. And so, um, I'm going to give a really brief synopsis on that in case you're not familiar with that concept. And, uh, what it's, what it starts off with is talking about attachment theory and essentially how that develops in early childhood, like early, early childhood, um, like, yeah, and, um, basically, I think I've probably talked about this at some point or another before, but, uh, basically what attachment theory is, is it's a concept that you're, there are four primary attachment styles, and these are essentially formed very early on in life and then you know sometimes life circumstances can trigger more extreme versions etc and so what the attachment styles are we'll start at the very beginning which is secure attachment and secure attachment is basically like having a in childhood it's having a healthy attachment with your caretaker or caretakers. Um, So yeah, I know that one's, I could elaborate on what healthy means, but I have no desire to do that. And (laughs) if I were being completely fucking honest, I don't feel like I have a lot of uh, experience in that one. So I really don't have much to touch on there. Um, I'm a work in progress. That's okay. but basically it's like regulating your own emotions and distress and shit like that and having like basically uh being invested in enough at times in which you needed it to be able to develop um healthy healthy self-regulation when in emotional distress so there you go (laughs) that's lazy summary healthy attachment okay or secure attachment whatever Okay, then there is avoidant attachment, which is primarily formed um, through um, neglect and dismissive behavior on the part of the primary, the caretaker or caretakers. And basically what that is, and again, this develops very early in childhood. So basically what this is, is um, when when the child or infant is going through emotional distress due to, you know, separation from caretaker over, you know, multiple instances, whatever, 
basically what that child learns to do is to disconnect from the emotional distress or the source of um, the emotional distress and so they become essentially avoidant and um, some of the things that come along with that is like fear of intimacy and things to that effect um, yeah and so that's emotionally unavailable um, can fall under that umbrella um, anyhow so that's gonna be your avoidant attachment now there other the, one of the other ones is an anxious attachment and that's basically when the child in whatever you know whatever the form of duress is in early development when they're emotionally you know or physically not safe what they learn to do then is uh, this one's fun because you can actually like pinpoint more like behavior patterns right so what they learn to do when they are in emotional in when they are in that distress early on and not receiving whatever it is that they need to you know regulate their emotions um they do the opposite essentially of what the avoidant does instead they seek more connection in, and so basically the anxious individual it's like they feel a sense of unease when dealing with avoidance or distance or things to that effect and um, so they seek the connection that the avoidant does not for lack of a better way of putting it and um, but what what that child does is they essentially like amplify the screams and cries or whatever it is to get you know to try to get that co-regulating of their chaotic emotions and so that's kind of becomes like a thing like and the anxiety stems from disconnection so whereas the avoidant basically turns down or basically mutes the need for that connection based on their environment the anxious does the opposite and it's almost like instead those feelings are intensified and then last but not least is the fearful avoidant which is essentially a combination of the two and um, sometimes that can be a person that vacillates from one to the other in terms of you know either being anxiously attached to someone or avoidantly attached to someone or experiencing both of those within the same connection to the same person but um as far as it goes for like root causes that one primarily comes from a more unstable home environment in which there um there isn't consistency so like they can be in circumstances where the parent is like really loving, supportive, you know, fulfilling emotional needs, whatever. And again, like, may I remind you, this is something that from, from what is speculated, like in the theory, this is something that is formed very early on. Um, so this is like an infancy basically is where this starts. Um, sorry, important to kind of, you know, like pinpoint that, like this is, infancy and early childhood is where these things develop and so um 
Now with the fearful avoidant, um, basically what it is, is whatever, like essentially the parents or caregivers that are, you know, supposed to be the source of safety are essentially both a source of safety and love, but then they are also, um, essentially providing a lack of safety. You know what I mean? So there, there's no concerns. There's um, no security and no consistency in terms of their behavior patterns. So like people that are very emotionally volatile, well, they can, you know, go from being like loving to like being very angry or, you know, people that have problems with substance abuse, um, things to that effect. There's a lot of different interesting scenarios that could create that one. Like, and again, I'm sorry, I'm not jumping into all of them, but either way, um, this is basically the psychological basis um, of this, except it's, you know, basically taking um, information that is based on this concept and translating it to a platform that is applicable for people in a variety of different non-monogamous relationship types, you know in partnerships and whatever and so it's really interesting um it's really interesting to listen and i mean even if you're somebody that's in like a committed monogamous relationship i still think there's some snippets in here that definitely have food for thought and at the same time um have substance in different ways to create security within you know whatever kind of partnership you're entertaining and so yeah like I've been listening to this all day basically I've got I think like a fucking hour and a half to go or something like that until I'm finished with it but it's just um it's been very interesting to listen to and the chapter that I just finished up it was talking about, and I, um, I can't remember all of the details of it. It's like hearts. That's the abbreviation. <laughs> and, um, the last part is what stands out to me because that's actually what really provoked me to want to get on here is, um, the last part is the T. Okay. I know I remember what the T is an abbreviate, like what that one stands for. It's turning towards which in other words, it's basically about um, reconnecting after conflict is the whole concept of it, right? I'm talking about the importance of reconnecting after conflict and how like how important it is when and it was talking about something, some study from like the John Gottman Institute or whatever, and that that's the difference, the primary difference between happy and unhappy couples um, in long-term committed relationships is that the happy ones, like, they still fight and all that other bullshit, but they know how to repair after conflict. And <laughs> this is, this shouldn't be funny to me, but it is. Uh, what I realized as I'm listening to this and reflecting on all my recent um, life experiences is that I have no idea how to um, 
initiate or successfully repair after conflict outside of a living environment. Um, 99% of my experience with that has all been in um, committed partnerships in which I was cohabitating with that person. I mean, to be fair, that's pretty much 95% of the last 20 years of my life. So, you know, there's little breaks in there of not cohabitating with a partner, but the majority of that time was spent doing that. So, I mean, eh, <laughs> it's a wash, I guess. But, um, yeah, and, like, I was really, like, listening to that and thinking to myself, like, this is definitely something that I could work on improving, um, to be fair, I, I will flip that and say, um, the last person that I was involved with in South Carolina, I, I felt as though was, um, not receptive to my concerns and to that effect, being involved with somebody that's not receptive to the concerns that you're bringing up kind of that can have a tendency to get you involved in what I would refer to as a communication loop. Ask me how I know. Actually, I was thinking of my marriages, but um, <laughs> either way, um, if you bring up a concern to somebody and their initial response is to defend themselves and to deflect, then no resolution will be had. And... <clears throat> I think I felt this pretty early on when that started happening in that circumstance. But then at the same time, if I were um, being honest and accountable, I probably could have come about that a little less aggressively in terms of how I responded to the conflict when we were in conflict. But I don't disagree with the sentiments that I stated either. So, um and what I mean by that is at one point where we were having a heightened disagreement, uh, where he was pretty, like, he was pretty much like berating me on a two and a half hour car ride. And I was fucking crying my eyes out. Like when I finally responded, <laughs> like I did tell this motherfucker that like, if like, if we can't find resolution, there's no point in being together. And that's what I mean when I'm like, I probably could have delivered that a little bit differently, like a little bit better. Like, I'm not going to say I couldn't, but at the same time, I don't disagree with what I was saying. Like, I still like, you know what I mean? That's what I mean. Like, it's fucked up. Like, I still stand wholeheartedly by my statement that um, if a repair cannot be made, you know, and that kind of like, you know what I mean? If, if, if neither party is willing to concede and find a middle ground then what the fuck is the point, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I mean, I guess that probably is what I was saying. Like I said, probably a little bit more aggressively than necessary, but you know, um, sometimes that happens when people put pressure on you and uh, you, you like the beast comes out. I don't know how to describe that any better. The beast comes out. Um, but yeah, no, um, after listening to this, I'm just, I'm kind of sitting on it and, and I'm like, it's a very thought provoking thing to listen to because I'm thinking like, 
what does that look like in my current circumstance? What, you know what I mean? And this is a legitimate question that I probably am going to have to ponder because I'm sure not everything is always going to be fucking sunshine and roses and flowers and bunnies and shit. And so, yeah, like, what does that look like in my current circumstance? You know, like, how how does that translate into real world, real world scenarios and actions? Um, yeah that that's what I'm that's where my thought process is at right now because I mean like in a living environment it would be like the eventual going into the same room as the other person or the other person coming eventually coming into the same room as you um after being given enough time to cool off or whatever and um like maybe getting a snack and offering them you know do you want anything from the kitchen um small gestures you know what I mean a very small minute gestures um and again like I I understand that in the context of that environment like and that's the only context that I really um understand it in like at all so um in terms of where I'm at with my life right now, it's kind of like, I guess I would say it's like learning as I go. Um, but I will say that I think one of the most important factors in that, um, regardless of what your lifestyle is or isn't, is in ensuring that the person or people you're choosing to engage with are receptive and are capable of active listening um, without getting defensive because it, it seems to me in those types of um, circumstances where there's the potential to get heated you know, or for emotions to intensify or whatever it is that, um, those are the moments when we are most vulnerable with our partner or partners. And then at the same time, um, something that is very, uh, vital and necessary for those circumstances is to feel as though we are being seen and or heard by the person that we're having those communications with and it's very challenging to engage if you don't feel like that is what is happening um i know that from a plethora of different experiences so and I think for me personally what I've realized what I've recently very fucking recently realized is that um, I don't always like the person that I become when I'm involved in those types of encounters with people 
where I feel as though I'm not being heard. Um, that's something where like I can become a really ugly person if I feel as though I am not being seen or heard like a really ugly person. And, um, I, I've gotten to see what the long-term evolution of that looks like, um, you know, because of the environment that my ex and I cultivated together. Um, and so like, I mean, there, there were areas that, you know, when the marriage was good, it was good. And when it wasn't good, it wasn't good. And, um, to hear me talk about it in retrospect, it's like, it's a gross oversimplification. And I think unless you've lived in that kind of, um, environment, like I, or circumstance or whatever, I don't think you're really going to understand it. It's a gross oversimplification. Um, when things were good, they were very good. When things weren't good, they really weren't good. And, um, we had a really weird dynamic of healthy and unhealthy living. And so, yeah, but you know, at, in the end of things, I felt as though I was being controlled and I was being, you know, dismissed and invalidated. And, um, that came out in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places towards a lot of different people. Um, and I really have no desire to get back to that place. And so I guess what, what I realized, um, being involved with the person I was involved with in South Carolina is how much conscious effort it takes to not go back to those places. And, um, now looking, you know, looking at that from my current perspective and my current situation and my current circumstances, I feel like, um, making conscientious decisions about the company you're keeping can really impact, um, what it is that you're putting out there in the world, you know, <laughs> like, and how you respond, <laughs> like, yeah, like if, if you don't, if you don't feel like you have to yell at somebody, you're not going to yell, you know, if, if you, if the person that you're engaging with or the people you're engaging with, um, make you feel safe and seen and heard, then nine times out of 10 so far, it will just, you know, Things won't have to escalate. They can just stay at a calm um, level of discussion, which I guess is a good starting point for uh, conflict repair and resolution. But either way, I don't know. It's just very, very thought-provoking um, material that I'm taking in right now, and I wanted to touch on it a little bit and <laughs> interpret. Um, that's the most standout piece to me, obviously. Um, there is more, but I don't know. Something about that specific part really struck a chord. And I felt like I had to share on that. So either way, I want to go ahead and thank everybody for uh, listening. And as always, be well.